1 John chapter 5. Last week we focused on 14. I don't know how many weeks we've been in 1 John. Somebody may be keeping up with that, but I'm not. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5. Let's just begin reading again in 14 and let's read to the close of the chapter and see where we go, all right? Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That's Jesus Christ, the him. That if we, that's us, ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. I will reiterate, I spent, not going to review all of last week, but I will reiterate that you can have confidence in him. And if you ask anything according to his will, that he hears you, just as the scripture plainly says. And when you know that he hears you, when you've asked according to his will, you know that you can receive what you've asked for. When you ask selfishly, you're <laughs> James says that when you, you pray and you ask that you'll receive, he said if you don't receive, you've asked amiss. Right. says if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death. Wow. Let me just keep reading or I'll never get past that. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Listen to verse, listen to the end of this verse. Listen very carefully. There is sin leading to death. There is sin leading to death. It's not talking about the graveyard. It's talking about eternal life versus eternal death. There is sin leading to death. And I want you to notice that John addresses this statement to if anyone sees his brother. His brother. We've been over that many times. You're never addressed as brethren, brother, my little children, that is not talking to the church. Okay? There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not leading to death. Wow. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. It means it's not ruled by the sin nature. The sin nature does not have dominion over them. Y'all are already quiet, and I'm just reading. <laughs> but he who is born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Keeps himself. I'm reading kind of King James language. Keeps himself from what? <laughs> We know, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What a statement. I've done three verses so far that I'm just reading past what we've done last week. The decision would be, do I cover all this in one week or, or is this another six weeks of thing? There, it could easily be another six weeks because these are powerful statements. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The church has forgotten that. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Did you notice it doesn't say that we may know what is true? It says that we may know him who is true. Truth is a who, not a what. Amen. True, truth is who, not a what. Jesus says in John's gospel, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. 
He tells you that you can know, speaking of himself, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Well, how do I know he's talking about himself? He says, because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That you may know who is true. And we, that's the church, the body of Christ, and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. And wow, one last wham from John in this epistle. Little children, keep yourself from idols. You know what he said about that? Amen. So be it. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Can I read the same verses in the New Living Translation quicker than that? <laughs> I'll, I'll read the same verses quicker. We'll see. You got New Living back there for me? And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask something that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we've asked for. If you see a fellow believer, remember King James says, if you see a brother. If you see a fellow believer sitting in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying that you should pray for that for those who committed. All wicked actions are sin. How many wicked actions are sin? All of them. But not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely. And the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are God's children and that, the world all, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. What's an idol? Anything that takes God's place in your heart. What's an idol? Anything. We think about idols being something, something carved out of stone or something molded out, poured out of gold or out of silver or, or uh, something, uh, some kind of uh, graven image, if you will. What's an idol? Anything that takes the place of God. Anything. Father, we need your help tonight. Lord, we ask that the teacher, the preacher would come, the one who makes things plain and makes things clear. Lord, open our heart, reveal your word to us, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what you would say to your people tonight, and we'll be careful to give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Back early on in 1 John, you'll remember that John tells you that the believer should not sin. And in the same breath he says, but when I sin, that I have an advocate with the Father. We need to understand that in the closing of this epistle, something that goes all throughout the Word of God, all throughout the Gospels, all throughout the epistles, all through, from, really from Genesis to Revelation, is that God's plan was for people 
Well, God's original plan, and his plan still is, was for, was for us to have fellowship with the Father. Man was created for something that nothing else was ever created for. The angelic host are messengers of God. They serve him in the heavenly realms. They, they holy, holy, holy. They worship throughout eternity to eternity. So you can't even really say time. But man was something different. God created man in his likeness and in his image, according to Genesis. Everything else, you know, I'm re- this is pure review for some people, but it's purely important. You have to understand that everything that you see, God spoke into existence. Let there be, and there was. Created the heavens and the earth. You go back to the Genesis 1, 2, or 3, read about it. You find out that God created it, spoke it into existence. That's the power of the Word of God. Amen. Let there be, and there was. In fact, they take the Hubble and other things, that, this ability, these satellite abilities, looking into the galaxies and the universes and say that there are still galaxies being formed even now. They, they say through cosmic evolution, no, it's the power of the first thing God ever said to this creation. Let there be light. And from that point to this point, that word is still resounding through the ages, creating as it goes at the speed of what is it? 300 or 700 and whatever. What is it? Somebody smarter than me. 700 and something thousand miles per second. Fast. Fast. Created the, and the, everything you see, but when it come to man, when it came to man, he gave us something different and done something different. He created, he spoke everything else, but man, he took the dust of the earth, it says, that he created man out of the dust of the earth. Made him in his own likeness and in his own image. And he breathed, he breathed, he breathed, God breathed into the, his nostrils and man became something. Man became a living soul. You know that Job chapter 14, I've read it to you many times, it says if God withdrew his breath, <laughs> that, that every creature said so if he withdrew his spirit and his breath, that every creature would die right then and return to the dust. He made us different than the animals. You can choose fellowship with God or reject it. As close as scientists would love for you to believe that the primate kingdom is to us. They can't choose God or reject him. They can't make a decision to come up with a creative way to leave the zoo. There's never been a single chimp go buy a plane ticket from, a, from an airline and get on board and leave the continent. Somebody hear me. We're not the same. We're not the same. Humans make decisions. We're driven by intellect rather than instinct. Not a single creature on the face of this earth is driven by intellect that has the ability to know right from wrong, that has the ability to create. I didn't say to procreate. I said to create. Human beings are the only ones that have the ability to make a decision on procreation. 
No, you gotta follow it all the way out. We're not the same. There's something different. The difference was God created us for his for fellowship with him. He created us like him in his likeness and in his image. He created man perfect. Uh, let me help you. Let me help people today. Because everybody's always blaming something on something. Is that fair? Is that true? Everybody's always blaming something on something. This community hates this community because they had an unfair advantage. Back in the, when the age of terrorism began to come to the forefront, it was always an argument of why did they blow up the coal? Why did they attack the World Trade Center the first time? Why did Islam attack the World Trade Center the second time? Why, 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 why? Well, because of poverty and because of, and because of advantage and because of religion and because of... Let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. God created a perfect man and gave him a perfect woman. No, yeah, that's what he did. That's right. God created a perfect man and a perfect woman. Out of that man, he created a perfect woman. And by the way, he didn't, he didn't create, him, create her from his, from, from his fist or underneath his feet. He created her from his side. Yeah. Right beside his heart is right. Perfect man from a perfect God put him in a perfect place. Somebody hear me. He created a perfect man Gave him a perfect woman because he said it's not good that man should dwell alone. You know what? I have to agree with that. When I get by myself, I can find all kinds of ways to get in trouble. <laughs> Sir, you needed her. <laughs> yeah. Perfect man. Gave him a perfect woman from a perfect God. Put him in a perfect place. No ravenous animals. No poisonous snakes. In fact, no, no carnivorous anything. The roses never fade. Grass didn't even get crinkles in it when you walked in it. No thorns. No thistles. Nothing. Gave man one thing to do. Adam and Eve had the word of God. Yes, they did. They had the word of God. God gave it to him personally. He came and walked with them in the cool of the day. And he gave it to him personally. He had one thing. You, know, you, can, you can name everything. You have dominion over everything. The world was created by God for man. Somebody still hear me? The world was created by God for man. It wasn't created for the beetle bug and the endangered fish. I think there's people that would complain if mosquitoes went out of style. Y'all ain't even hear me. I think, I think there's wackos that if every tick fell off the earth today that they would gripe about it and sue somebody. They say, well, everything was created for a purpose. Yeah, that's part of the curse. The purpose was, it was part of the curse. I'm getting somewhere. Because sometimes we've got to walk through it to remember why we even got to where we're at. The problem was not social status. They walked with God. The problem was not environment. It was absolute 
Eye cannot see, ear cannot hear, has never heard perfection. Absolute perfection. The word of God came and you, you name the animals, you have dominion. Eat anything you want in the garden, every tree in the midst of the garden, every tree in the garden is yours, it's good for food. Except the tree in the midst of the garden you shall not eat because in the day that you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. That's the word of God. That is the word of God. In the day that you eat, give. Let me help you understand something. Man was created without a sin nature. There was no rebellion in the heart of man. The rebellion, the rebellion, the fall didn't come from rebellion. The call, the, 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 well, it did, but not, it wasn't created in man. The rebellion came when, the, when they come and listen to this, the deceiver rather than God. And by the way, I, I've said it before, I always like to give you women something to smile about. Eve's caught a lot of flack over the years. But the Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam transgressed. Eve was taken out of Adam. The fall is that through one man's, through one man's sin, and he's talking about Adam, through one man's sin entered sin into this world. And it sent, he sent the second Adam, Jesus Christ, through one man's, through one man's blood, it was redeemed. The problem was not status or marital dispute or a racial problem or an economic situation or a political falling out or uh, it wasn't, they didn't need a G8 summit to work out the, the politics of the economics. The problem was and is sin. Let me help you with where I'm at. For we know that we are, of, we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. He says, all in, verse 13, all, in verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin that's not leading unto death. goes through that. And that the whole world, somebody say the whole world. The whole world is under the sway of sin. The Bible says that we know that. Let me ask you a question, body of Christ. Do you still know that? That the problem is not the region that you live in or the class that you were born to or that you don't have a good enough job, or that you don't have the right color skin, or that you wasn't born with a silver spoon in your mouth, or that, that that's never been the problem. The problem was and is sin. And all this is being addressed, and mankind is different from the animals. Why? That's why I walked you through all that. For one reason, and it was this, that God loves us. God loves us. He loved his creation as a whole, but for God so loved the world. That's not the terra firma. That's the people of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed on him should have everlasting life. The difference and the animal kingdom, and the creation, and mankind, is that God loves you. Amen. So much that he was willing to give the best he had to redeem you back to himself. There was a fall before there was a fall. There was.
Jesus said it. Speaking of, about Satan, Lucifer, what did he say? He said, I was there. I saw you fall like lightning. The Bible, we know that Satan was part of the angelic host. And then he began the pride. What, what does it say? Where did it come from? It just says that iniquity was found in him. Satan. Lucifer. And he began to say things like, I will ascend into the heavens. I will be as God. I, and he convinced, he had such persuasion. The Bible says that the, that the serpent was more cunning than all the creatures of the field. Such persuasion that a third of the angelic host that stood in the presence of the holy living God, he persuaded to join ranks with him to overthrow. Jesus said, I was, I was there. I saw you fall like lightning. There's one thing you should notice. There's nowhere in the Word of God that, God, that the Bible says that God loved the angelic host. It, it doesn't say it anywhere. Anywhere. You know what else I noticed? There is no plan of redemption mentioned anywhere for the third of the angelic host that rose up against God. I find that interesting. Oh, I don't know tonight why I'm spending so much time, again, for people to know that mankind is different than everything God created. Maybe because there's such an attack on mankind today from the wicked one in his last throes of his time to have to tempt. He only has, his time is limited. We used to sing, our Lord is coming back to earth again. There's a few people in that room that knows that our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes. Satan will be bound a thousand years. What? We'll have no tempter then. The Bible says that he, the tempter during the millennial reign of Christ will be bound and not be able to tempt, but then it says he'll be loosed for a season. We won't go into all the whys of that tonight, but I'm telling you that so you understand that his time is limited. And if you know anything about anything, about the nature of things that know their time is limited, somehow in his twisted, warped view of things, knowing what happened when he rose up again. You, listen, there wasn't no thousand-year war about who, seeing who was going to win the fight. But somehow in his twisted Way of thinking, somehow he thinks he still has a chance. Oh, I, you know, I don't even know that he thinks he can win. I don't know that he thinks he can. I think it's just his, his goal because the thief comes not. The thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I think probably his only goal is to steal as much as he can, kill as many as he can, and destroy as much as he can in the time that he's got. It. I need somebody to understand tonight. So I got to, if we see a brother sinning, a sinner which does not lead to death, and we should ask, and we shall give, and, and we will give him life. For those who commit sin not leading to death, but there is a sin that leads to death, and we do not, and do not say that we should pray about that. All unrighteousness, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin leading to death, and we know whoever is born of God does not sin. That's not what rules their life. It doesn't mean that you don't mess up. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean not, it means that we're that we're being saved. We're being sanctified. We're on our way there. When we get there, we will be. But it's not what rules us. When you were, when you, before you were, were become a believer, listen to me, when you were, before you became a believer, you were controlled by sin. And if you're a believer, 
that's still being controlled by sin, well, we got things that we need to address. I've laid out a lot of groundwork to tell you, I think, Lord, I think we could probably go back and find a sermon title somewhere along the way that says, sin is no joke. Listen to me. Sin is no joke. Sin separates us from the holiness and the goodness and the presence of God. We were brought back near to God by the blood of Jesus. We were so far away from him. Well, even under the old covenant, the people couldn't come and bring the sacrifice. One man, once a year, could come and offer for me. One man, once a year, could come and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and roll back the penalty of sin for one year. But when Jesus was on, the, when the per- John the Baptist announced him, behold the lamb. Remember, behold the lamb that takes away, takes away, takes away, takes away the sin of the world. Let me help you with that. The further away we were, back in Genesis when Adam and Eve failed, God killed an animal and gave them skins of, clothes of skin. It was a lamb for a couple. And then you roll forward and, it, and you began to see a lamb for a tribe during the, during the exodus. It says, bring a lamb into your home. Y'all remember? During the Passover. It was a lamb for a couple. This is how far away we were. And then when they were in an Egyptian bondage, the image of locked in sin, whenever he was going to bring them out, he says, take a lamb, one for every household. We're getting closer. It was a lamb for a household. Then after the flood and, and, and after the exodus, when they got, to, when they, when, when they got out, he established the great day of atonement. They built a tabernacle in the wilderness. And once a year, the priest would bring a lamb for a nation. Then you go through the prophets and you get to Malachi and you don't hear anything from God for 400 years. Nothing. Then you have a prophet burst on the scene by the name of John the Baptist. It says he comes out in camel's hair, clothed in camel's hair, eating wild locusts and honey. And he comes on, he burst on the scene out of nowhere, the one crying in the wilderness. Then, and one day, when he looked up and raised his gaze, he saw one walking down the road and he made a declaration. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. (laughs) Sin's a big deal. Jesus is a big deal. See, you couldn't come to it. You couldn't come to God. You had no way back without the blood, without the shedding of blood. There is no, somebody hear me, there is no remission of sin. He would come once a year for me. But when Jesus went, when the lamb, the perfect lamb, went to the cross and declared it is finished, the Bible says that at the moment that he gave up the ghost, it says that the veil of the temple, that separated the people from the holy place. It says that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, from top to bottom, from God to man. And then when that happened, the writer of Hebrews says, now that we have this high priest who has passed through the heavenlies. And he says, now that we can come, we, somebody say we. We We can come boldly. I can come boldly. You can come boldly into the throne of grace and obtain mercy 
and obtain help in your time of need. Sin's a big deal. Sin changed everything. Sin still changes everything. Y'all, I don't think you're hearing what I'm trying to convey. Because what I want, it's, it's, it's not a racism problem, it's a sin problem. It's not an economic problem, it's a sin problem. It's not an LGBTQRXYZ problem, it is a sin problem. It is not a, an addiction problem, or a drinking problem, or a cussing problem, or a lying problem, or a fighting problem, or a partying problem, or a... Or a fornicating problem or an adultery problem or it's a sin problem and the wages of sin is death of all the trees that are good for food good for eat except the tree of the midst of the garden in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die what happened? Rebellion, transgression, sin against God's Word. It changed everything. It still changes everything. Oh, I could... Behind, behind every failure is sin. The church don't teach on what sin is anymore. All unrighteousness is sin. Hey, the Bible says radical things like whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He made a way back. That's a big deal. You know why the church is casual? Do you know why the church is casual? Because the church is casual today. I'll go ahead and say mag is casual today. This preacher, as radical as you think I am, is too casual today. Because if we, if we ever get a glimpse of two seconds of, a se of eternal separation from God, that you would, you would evangelize every person you knew. You wouldn't care if they got mad at you. You wouldn't care if they walked out on you. You wouldn't care if they didn't answer your phone calls, return your texts. If you got the reality of what separation from God really is, the, what a big deal sin really is, what a big deal the love of God that sent His Son really is, it would change everything. 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 It's a big deal. I said it in Sunday. I think it was Sunday school Sunday. I said, if you thought of the person that you couldn't stand, or maybe even if you could hate them, if it, And when I say that, every one of you got a picture of somebody in your mind pretty quickly. I mean, maybe it's Adolf Hitler. Maybe it's Stalin, who's responsible for the death of millions. Maybe it's the neighbor three doors down that his dog barks all night. Y'all act like people hadn't died over less. Whoever it is, and however bad, deep your feelings are, if you had the reality of what an eternity without God is, you would do everything in your power to save them. Everything in your power. There's not one person that you've ever read about, thought about. We throw the people get all mad, and they say, oh, you can go to hell. Sometimes my people don't know what to think about me. I say things that you know is true. I wish that you can go straight to hell. Well, that may make for a good fight. But if you had any idea the reality of what you were wishing on somebody. God help us.
Why am I talking about that? Because he said there is a sin that does not lead to death. By the way, if you're trying to figure out what all that is all the time and trying to live as close to the line as you can, I question what you got. There's always trying to figure, if, you're, if your idea of Christianity and salvation is trying to figure out what you can do and still make heaven, that's not the idea of this Word of God. The idea of this Word, of the Word of God is give no place to the devil. The idea of this Word of God is submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The, the, the idea of the word of God is come out from among them and be you separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. The idea of this world is to, not, is to, is to be through a place that you love God so much that you, that you want to please him so much that it says that you, that you would even avoid the very, even the appearance of evil. That you would love your mankind, that your, your fellow man so much that if it caused your brother to stumble, even if you have the liberty. It says if you have the liberty and it causes your brother to stumble that you wouldn't even do it. Come on, somebody. There's no, there's a, he said, he tell you that, because there's this whole, I'm going to come back to this old Pentecostal idea that every time you fail, that you've lost with God. There's a sin that does not lead to death. He's not up there putting you in, taking you out, putting you in, taking you out, putting you in, taking you out, putting you in. You even know what you're in? He's not, you're, you're not in the book and out of the book, in the book, out of the book. Oh, he did it. To, and, and, all, all, and the people that even think that way, they never even realize that, 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 that their tongue's about that long. It has a hinge in the middle. And they think they don't drink, smoke, or chew and don't run with those that do, but they're over there talking about everybody and not even realizing that, that you, they just took their stuff out of the book. You better be glad that grace and mercy is bigger than that. You better be glad that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You better be glad that there's a sin that does not lead to death. But, that, but you better read that book very clearly. It says that there is a sin which leads to death. It doesn't make any difference which seminarian tells you. It doesn't matter that Dr. Sounding Brass wrote a dissertation on it. It doesn't make any difference how many denominations, how many fellowships, how many whatever. There is a sin which leads to death. Because I'm going to tell you something. The only way that you can die is to have been alive. You ain't hearing me. The only way. There is a sin which leads to. That leads to. Leads to, I got news for you. Before you were saved, the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. But Jesus brought you into life. So the only way, there is a sin which leads unto death. The only way you can be led to death is to be alive. The father, the prodigal. Y'all remembering when the brother came and says, what's all this about? Y'all remember the prodigal? Y'all remember the prodigal? Y'all remember the prodigal? Did his daddy kick him out? Did his daddy quit being his daddy? Did his son leave? Was he out of his daddy's protection, out of his household? Did he squander everything that the father gave him on riotous living in a far-off country? Did he say, I will return again to my father's house? When his, when, when his brother came and says, what's all this about? When that boy showed up, he said, hey, go get me a robe. He didn't have a robe. Scott, he didn't have a robe. He said, put a ring on his finger. Guess what? That was the authority of his sonship. That robe was, was, was the outside business of his sonship. He didn't have a robe. He didn't have a ring. He didn't have shoes. There is a sin which leads to death. The wages, I told you a while ago, the wages of sin, they're earned. The wages of sin, they're earned. Anything, have you ever earned a wage? And the day that you eat of the tree of the midst of the garden, you shall surely die. The wages of sin are earned. The wages of sin, when you, when you, earn, when you got wages, you earned it. But the gift, somebody say the gift, the gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, somebody say it again, the gift of God is eternal life. 
What's all this hoopla about? Your brother's home. Your brother's home. What? He said, yeah, my son, which was dead, is alive again. There's only one way to be again. If I overate again. Come on, hear me. If I overate, there's only one way for me to have overate again. That's to have overeaten before. Heather's lost again. Not spiritually lost, like GPS lost. In the parking lot. Again. I just say that to take the pressure off everybody else. <laughs> There's only one way to do anything again. And that's to do it. I've done it before. We know whoever's born of God does not sin. King James says, does not have a lifestyle of sin. They, they don't just go around living like they did before. Hello? <laughs> but he who is born and born of God keeps himself. Keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God. What we've got to understand afresh and anew is in the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. How much of it? All of it. All of it. That's why it says we are in this world. We're here. But we're not of this world. We live here. We occupy here, but we don't do what the world does. Help me. And we know the Son of God has come. And has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Help me. He's given us an understanding of what he wants, of what his will is. You know what else he's given us? He's given us his spirit. Bible says that his spirit is the teacher that guides, that helps, that, that he's the teacher that leads to truth. that we may know. We're in a desperate time. Does anybody in this room, I, I, need, I don't need an echo chamber, I need to know. Does, there anybody in the, does anybody in this room know that we're in a desperate time? Are we in a desperate time? What are we going to do? Live as close to the line as we can and hope we make it in? What are we going to do? Claim our liberty and live as we please?
What are we going to do? Keep being wordless and prayerless? What are we going to do? And our sin's no joke. Hell, it's no joke. People got dumb ideas. They can't wait to get to hell. They think they're going to party with their friends. There ain't going to be no party. And there ain't going to be no friends. A move of God and revival is not coming to the church until the search gets serious about the things of God and the lost and the dying. I wonder with the reality of what we know when we're missionless and haphazard and casual how we sleep, how we rest, how we're content. I'll see you next Sunday. And don't give it another thought between now and then. Talking to me. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to us. I'm wondering where the desperation is, where the outcry is. Where the seriousness of the hour is. Pretty sure I wish you'd be not so. I'm lighthearted, and you know what? I've been lighthearted tonight. But the hour is desperate. You think the young men in, the, in all the ships and all the boats off the coast of Normandy in World War II, do you think they were lighthearted? the morning of the invasion? I'm asking. Do you think that they were sour and dour? They just had bad personalities because it was serious? I don't think so. I think they knew that there was nothing more important than the beaches and the cliffs that stood before them. I suspect they knew that thousands of them were going to give their life before they ever made it out of the boat. But the Axis invasion of Europe and what was going on was way more important for what was back home to not have to face it than what they were looking at. And I wonder when that kind of reality is going to hit the church. Because I can die on the beach or in the war zone or on the highway in an accident or by a drunk or by murder. I can die, I can die by murder I can, and, and I can be, breathe my last here and be in the presence of God. But I can't die without him under the best circumstances and be okay. Say, oh, that hellfire and brimstone preach, that's a mockery of the Word of God because it's the truth of the Word. It's not hellfire and brimstone. It's the truth of the Word of God. But I would remind the mocker that Jude says to some, save with compassion, some save with fear, snatching them out of the flames. You know, if I was about to fall off the cliff into the volcano, I probably wouldn't complain about the one that said, you're going to die! And jerk me back. I probably wouldn't mock them. I probably wouldn't complain about them. I probably wouldn't make a Facebook post about them shoving their salvation down my throat.
I probably wouldn't, Brandon. I'd probably be glad there wasn't nothing left of me but a puff of smoke. <laughs> but you know what? Even then, it's over in an instant. Poof, you're gone. Poof. And the next instant, you're either in the presence of the Lord or you're in eternal torment. Eternal. Not a hundred thousand years, not a million years, not a billion years or a trillion years, eternal. Without end. It's a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dies not. Yeah. You want to know about the love of God? Because people ask dumb questions like, why would a loving God send people to hell? You know, God didn't create hell for people. God didn't separate himself from you. You separated yourself from him. And he done something he didn't have to do. He made a way back. He didn't do that for the angelic host. At all. In fact, it says those, those, some of those that, that rebelled against him, it says already are locked away in chains. He didn't make a way back. But he did for me. He did for you. You know why? Because he loves us. For God so loved. You know what? The Quran has not one mention, not one mention, not one mention. People want to say, we all serve the same God. God. The Quran has not one mention of love. Not one chance of redemption. The best hope you got is to be weighed in the scales. The only guarantee you have is to give your life for a false God. You know the difference between Islam and Christianity? In, in, in Islam, you give your life for God. It's your only hope. In Christianity, God gave his life for you because he's the hope of glory. No, it's, your, it's one, you're the only hope with, God, with Christ, he is the living hope. And he's made a way for some, all. Because he's not willing, it's not his will, he's not willing that any should perish, Mr. Calvin, but that all should come to repentance. The prophet prophesied it. Peter declared it. That the day was coming, that whosoever, whosoever. We sing about that song too. We sing a song about whosoever too. We could make a song about anything back in the day. You know that? We got a hold of words. We sing things like, we made songs about whosoever. We sing, whosoever surely meaneth me. <laughs> me and Andrew and Scott. Steve. I think he knew that one too. Becky, do you know that one? Whosoever surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me, oh, surely meaneth me, yeah. Whosoever surely, and y'all thought repetitive courses were a thing in this generation, <laughs> you old hypocrites. <laughs> Matt, I can't believe I just said that. Whosoever meaneth me. I don't like all those repetitive courses. I just want to sing hymns. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Y'all thought 7-Eleven songs were this generation. Yeah. You sung the first ones. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was free. Why'd you say all that? I just, you just needed to know. <laughs> so you could get over it and take the gospel to a dying world and quit fighting over dumb stuff. Just do it. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us that. I think I'm done with 1 John <laughs> after tonight. <laughs> no, I, you know, I could spend the next week on, it's, it's 828, so I probably can't even do justice to little children. Keep yourself from idols. Now, how many of you know I could do two weeks on little children? Keep yourself from idols. <laughs> Lord, we love you. Love your word. <laughs> and Lord, can I just take a second to be thankful that you loved me while I was still a sinner? says that you commended your love towards me that while I was yet a sinner not when I got my life straightened out not when I got a few my affairs in order not when I got everything caught up but while I was still a mess while I was still a sinner that you died for me he said, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. God, I just want to take a moment to be thankful. So thankful that you love me. That I can live my life for me because you loved me and gave yourself for me. God, help me to be pleasing. God, help me to be light, salt and light. You call us to be salt and light. God, help me. Lord, touch our hearts even now at the close of this service. Lord, if there be even just one under the sound of my voice now or later that's never met you in a way that changes their life and changes their eternity, that, Lord, even now you've drawn them close. You're dealing with their heart. With every eye still bowed, or every head still bowed, every eye still closed. We make it such a production sometimes, and we want to see response and celebrate, and that's all good and fine. But the gospel is real simple. We've explained already tonight what happened, that man fell and needed a redeemer, and that God sent the best he had die in my place the word of God says if you can if you believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead believe in your heart confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead that you will be saved it's really that simple it's with a said we believe we make confession with the mouth or we believe in our mind heart and with our mouth confession is made into salvation that's really it tonight nobody's looking around I'm not even going to look around this is between you and God you've heard you've heard from Genesis all the way through tonight what God's done for you really it's just simple as this Lord that you that you accept what he's done on your behalf by faith and that you turn from your sinful life. And Jesus said that you follow me. That's what he told the disciples, follow me. He said, if any man come after me, first deny himself, take up his cross daily and just follow me. That's what, a, that's what it is, you just follow him. Lord, I, I turn from who I was. 
I ask you to forgive me for who I've been. And from now on, I will turn and follow you the rest of my life. And I accept you by faith in what you've done for me. And now I thank you that you brought me out of darkness into light, into death, into life. And that you're able, you have the power to keep me from falling. And I put my life in your hands from this day forward. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, thank you for a Wednesday night. I love Wednesday nights. And if you're here tonight or you watched now or later and you made a profession of faith in your heart, if you believe it, put your faith there. Now walk in it. It's that simple. Get in a good church that's going to teach you the Word of God. Get in the Word to pray. How do you pray? You know how to talk? Talk to God. He knows you. Have a conversation. Talk to Him and listen to Him. And He'll go with you every step of the way. I promise. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck.